Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're chatting with Rob Vanstone with the Rough Riders to talk about Touchdown Atlantic this weekend. And Philip DeSantos, head coach of Valor FC, tells us how they plan to turn things around this season on the podcast. All right. Well, this weekend, the Blue Bombers, they are obviously not playing. But the Rush rivals to the West are making a long trip east as the Rough Riders battle the undefeated Argonauts in Halifax in the annual Touchdown Atlantic game this year at St. Mary's University. Here to talk about it is Rob Vanstone, friend of the show and the senior journalist for the Rough Riders. Rob, are you hopping on a plane, t- or you are hopping on a plane tomorrow uh, to make the trip to the Maritimes? Are you excited to make that trek? I've never been to the Maritimes before, so I haven't been further east than Montreal. So I'm really excited to to get out there, not only for the game, but just from a you know, curiosity standpoint. I've heard nothing but amazing things about that entire region, and to, to see for myself, it's it's going to be really exciting. And you you add all the pageantry and all the events surrounding the, the football game I, I can i can hardly wait to to see it for myself and uh i rely and i love seafood okay well that was my next question is if you're a seafood guy and so if the answer is yes i guess you're going to the right place yeah i'm i'm <laughs> uh i think this will be an upgrade over the uh, frozen fish cakes that i used to throw in the oven when i was a bachelor uh <laughs> i once ate 24 in one sitting nothing oh, no. but fish cakes for an entire source I, I think I had gills by the time I was finished eating all those fish cakes. So I'll, I'll try and exercise a little bit, a little bit more moderation this trip. Well, and let's not be, you know, too mean to the prairies here. But the reality is, it's a little bit fresher when you're on the coast than it is in the, in the prairies here. Well, especially when you consider my method of eating fish over the years, which has <laughs> not exactly been the most refined uh, form of cuisine. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean. Prairies has got way better pizza than anywhere else in the world, so we got that. There you go. So the, the idea of the of Touchdown Atlantic, what do you think this means to the CFL, and why do they keep doing it? I, I think they're. I mean, the, the purpose is twofold. One, I think there's a there's an obvious draw, there's an obvious attraction. Uh, people have really flocked to this event when it has been held previously. Uh, the other, I think, the longer term goal is to uh, try to establish a bit of a foothold and garner interest. Uh, not only from from fans, but I think the the corporate community, the politicians, and uh, try and eventually land that ever elusive tenth uh, franchise. I, you know, I, it looked really promising before the pandemic, as far as be, being able to establish a tenth franchise in the Maritimes. And the, the pandemic put a lot of things on hold or eliminated a lot of things from several equations. Uh, things of far greater gravity than professional sports. Um, but uh, now I think there's a, there's a real interest and passion on behalf of the league and, and on behalf of the governors to try and, uh, try and get some of that momentum back. And, and uh, this event sure can't hurt. Yeah, I was talking to Derek Taylor on the show last night, and he seems pretty pessimistic about a 10th team anytime soon simply because of really everything you just said, the fact that the money just isn't there now, the the drive for it is a lot different now after the pandemic. But it, it, like, can you think of another spot that we could put a 10th team? You know, I've always thought that, uh, you know, Quebec City would be, it would be a terrific spot for a CFL franchise, uh, given the interest in, in Quebec in football and the just the in terms of from a participation standpoint from a fan standpoint to have a Montreal Quebec City rivalry would just be absolute gold but I don't envision that happening I think the logical next place to go is is the Maritimes and 
if they've looked if you look at the if, if you look at the prairie model if you look at blue bomber model and the saskatchewan model um i think there's there's you look at the the way that team would be embraced out there uh, you know it would be it would be a regional team uh, it wouldn't just be nova scotia i don't think it would it would encompass a lot of areas and a whole a whole region and uh, i think that is the that is the niche and the hook, and uh, I would love to see that happen. To be so, and it would just, from a logistical standpoint, to have two five-team divisions would just be, uh, would be perfect, and a perfectly balanced schedule. Eighteen games, nine games against each home and away against the other uh, nine teams in the league. Perfect. Yeah, and I remember going to the 2019 Grey Cup. That's the only Grey Cup I've been to because the Bombers were in it. They sent me there, which was awesome. Of course, before the pandemic and going to the the Atlantic social thing and thinking, all right, this feels like, you know, there's momentum here, but obviously things have changed the last few years. Do you think the return of, of the touchdown Atlantic last year, it was Argos riders this year, again, Argos riders uh, this time in Halifax at Husky stadium. Does this actually help or is it kind of just a one-off novelty? Uh, I'm not sure it's, it's a one-off novelty. I think, uh, I mean, the, the tickets went so fast and granted it's not like they're trying to sell 30,000 t- seats, but the tickets uh, went really quickly, and, and there's a, there's a lot of clamor for for this event. So uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's if it was a one off, they would have the one off would have been last year or several years ago. So um, I, I mean, I'm curious to see you know where it goes from here and what the what the plans are down the road as far as future touchdown Atlantics or whether this is you know has now got to be the catalyst for a for a deeper discussion and something more involved. Um, you know, over time, I think it would be tough to keep going, keep going back without, without there being some kind of pot of gold at the end of the rainbow as far as, a, as an expansion franchise. But if it's if it's viable financially to do this, why not? As far as the game itself is concerned, Riders Argonauts, the Toronto team, defending champions, ten and a half point favorites right now. Obviously, they're the lone undefeated team. The Riders right now, not sure what they've got with Mason Fine. What do you think of the Riders' chances in this game, and do you think it's that dire? I don't think so. I, I think the Rough Riders actually put in a pretty credible showing last week against uh, the BC Lions. Uh, it was a 19-9 to football game, and the Lions' offense uh, had been really rolling. Granted, Vernon Adams Jr. was hurt midway through the first quarter, but the Rough Riders had created all sorts of pressure on him before he went down and, and Dane, Dane Evans, a very credible veteran came in to replace him. And, and uh, so I, I think that the showing of the, of the Rough Riders defense, I think provides a lot of cause for optimism. And, and I think one by one, the Rough Riders are going to start getting some players back on offense. Now they've been so beaten up in terms of injuries uh, for last week's game, eight of the 12 players they projected to start during the preseason were injured. I mean, that's just, that is a real tough ask. So I think with a, with a, with one start under his belt now, I think that's going to help Mason's fine. It's going to help the whole offense. And I think just week by week, there's going to be some injured players returning, hopefully at a rate that exceeds the uh, players who are, who are being put on the injured list, which has kind of been the battle the riders been fighting to get a player or two back, but the three more will go down. So uh, at some point you would hope this would, would stop. I want to go back to that game in which Harris got hurt because that was one of the crazier finishes I've ever seen with that third and what 20 something heave from fine ended up being a touchdown and there's less than a minute left. What was it like in the building on that play compared to five minutes later when all of a sudden the joy was gone? 
it was, there were some, I mean, the, that game just had so many uh, crescendos and so many peaks and valleys. I mean, there were two moments in that game where there was just utter silence. First, first when Trevor Harris was, was hurt in the fourth, in the fourth quarter. And then when the, when the, when Rennie Paradis kicked the 50 yard field goal in the final play to give Calgary the victory, the 33, 31 win. So it was just, you know, you, you go from all sorts of excitement and fans just absolutely eating it up to just silence. And, you know, you don't get that kind of silence very often in a, in a stadium where there's tens, tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, let alone twice in a game. But to go from that emotional extreme where, I mean, I'm not, I can't, I've been trying to recall a play in Ryder history that parallels the, uh, the Hail Mary from uh, Mason Fine to Tevin Jones. Bombers fans will find a much easier time as far as, have a much easier time finding a parallel because they've got Kevin Glenn, Milt Eagle to complete length of the field against Edmonton. The probably the ultimate Hail Mary in, in CFL history. I think uh, the closest Rough Rider parallel to that play was the Mason Fine the touchdown pass to Tevin Jones for 69 yards. So you go from that hysteria to 42 seconds later, the game-winning field goal, one extreme to the other. So with Mason Fine at the helm, and, and we expect, right, that it's going to be him at the helm for much, if not the whole season? I would think so. I, and I think he's going to steadily get better. He's been in the system. He's been here now for three years, and I think that trajectory will start moving upwards as he gets more comfortable with the offense. The offense gets more comfortable with him. I mean, there's really uh, – I think Jake Dolagdala is an intriguing prospect. He's got arm talent that uh, I think few have on either side of the border. So that is worth watching. But I, I, I don't think Mason Fine is going to really give the coaches any cause to, to supplant him as he moves forward. And so with Fine at the helm, is this a playoff team? Right now 3-3, three and three, the Stamps 4-2, and two, and obviously the crossover very much in play. Yeah, I, I think it is. Because uh, I think that defense is going to uh, allow the Rough Fighters to get by. And I think as... As time progresses and the offense bears a closer resemblance to what it was hoped to be personnel-wise at the start of the year, that will, uh, that will I think, uh, come to fruition as, as well as far as the offense being, uh, being what they would like it to be. So I, I still think this is a pretty good football team. People are, there is a sense of panic around here, but you look at the, you look at the standings and the Rough Riders are 3-3, three and, three, and that's not a bad place to be with, with only a third of the season gone. There's a lot of time to... To, to get on a roll and this is a Canadian football league and you know we've seen a team that started off 0-7 with a great cup <laughs> so it's true uh now before I let you go I always have to ask you about the Winnipeg Jets you're a big Jets fan uh what have you thought of the offseason so far you know I I've, I've liked it uh, you know I, there's still some pretty big shoes to drop or skates to drop I guess with Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley but I think the return they got for Dubois is just is stunning. I never expected anything to that degree. I, I love that trade. So that kind of uh, bolstered my my optimism. And uh, if I'm a Los Angeles Kings fan right now, I'm thinking, oh, geez, but two years from now, they're going to have serious buyer's remorse for this one. So uh, <laughs> uh, I like what Kevin Cheveldayoff has done this season or this offseason. His hand has been forced quite a bit, too. And it, it's tough to make a good deal when you're, I think, you're not necessarily dealing with from a position of strength, but even with in that uh, in that predicament, he was able to extract a great return from Los Angeles Kings, and that put me in a much better mood than I was in a couple of months ago. But you think that there is still something to come for Shifley and Hellebuck? I'm of the mind personally that they're starting the season here. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I, I and I think 
you know, maybe the market will be more robust once you get uh, get to midseason and uh, or near midseason, and teams thinking, "Geez, we're one goalie away, or one forty-two goal scorer away from really uh, being able to do something." Can you imagine you know, trade deadline frenzy of one or two of them is is available at that point? And and who knows? Maybe the Jets can get up to a, get off to a good start. And Connor Hellebuck wants to see that that he is. Uh, on a team that has a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And if there are those signs early in the year, and if Rick Bonus can recapture what he was able to generate over the first half of last season, maybe we're having a different discussion about Connor, Connor Hellebuck than the one that has been prevalent over the over the spring and summer. Mark Shifley, he's talked openly about how he'd like to be kind of a Steve Eisenman type player. You know, someone who spends his entire career with a team. And he's the first draft pick in, in Jets 2.0 history. I wouldn't be at all, at all accepted, upset if they were, were able to work something out there. But the thing is, you're talking about a longer-term contract, and Mark Scheifele's 31 by the end of last season, or end of next season. That could be a concern because you're probably signing up for a player who's already in his 30s, uh, going to 37, 38. And then you end, you end up with a Nazem Kadri situation where you're just stuck with somebody who's declining. And finally, who's the next captain of the Jets? Oh, I'd love to see Josh Morrissey be the captain of the Jets. I think he's sort of been the de facto captain for a while in terms of just being a real thoughtful voice. I think Adam Lowry would be terrific as well. But uh, Josh Morrissey, to me, is there's uh, uh, that just uh, he just personifies a captain. I, I think that's that should be just a, a slam dunk for the Jets staff. I hope so, anyway. Yeah, I think a lot of fans are on your side there. Well, Rob, appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and have fun out east. I will, and uh, and go Jets. Rob Vanstone, I almost said Regina Leader Post, force of habit. He was with that organization for a very long time, but now the senior journalist with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Right now, though, we're having the coach of Valor FC on the show. They've got a big match this weekend. It is Saturday afternoon against Pacific FC at IG Field. Philip DeSantos joins us now. How are you doing tonight, Phil? I'm good, Christian. What about you? Uh, I'm doing well. Did you have a chance to catch the women's soccer game this morning, Canada beating Ireland 2-1? Look, I watched about half an hour uh, before getting uh, ready for training and uh, heading to IG Field uh, to meet with the staff. So they were down 1-0. So you, you missed the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I missed the good stuff, yeah. yeah. So maybe you were the bad luck charm. As soon as you stopped watching, they did well. Hey, come on. Don't start rumors. <laughs> <laughs> So looking ahead to uh, to the weekend, Pacific FC coming to town. The two best defensive teams in the Canadian Premier League, you both allowed 17 goals through 16 matches. That's pretty impressive stuff. However, they've scored 12 more goals than you. So uh, how much tougher does the task get against a team that's right now tied for second in the league in points? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough match. We know that it's a team that could score in many different ways. It's a team that's been going through their uh, their patch of maybe most challenging moment in the season heading to IG. So, you know, we have to, uh, it's a home game for us uh, and we have to, to, to try and capitalize and take advantage of the moment um, in our favor. Uh, it's a difficult one, but the guys have trained well. They are, understand the urgency that we're playing with. And um, I, again, I think that there hasn't been uh, many, you know, counter performances games where we say that we've been we've been we haven't been in the game so uh i think that uh, that the guys are ready it's uh, it's these are the the type of games that you want to play and that could change a season around 
You got 11 more games after this weekend's game to to get things heading in the right direction. Currently stuck in seventh right now in the Canadian Premier League. You're six points back of Halifax. Not that I have to tell you. I'm saying this more for the listeners, but yeah, uh, yeah. Six, six points out of a playoff spot at the moment. And really, it, it, you're getting close to the point, are you not, that you just you need to start winning matches? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, there's 36 points still available and for grabs and um and um it, this is a, a league where you you win a couple matches back to back and uh it's game on so there's no better way than to to do that uh in a game like the one on saturday i think that again it's been like you said we were not conceding much but we're we've we've had our, our fair um amount of, of opportunities that we haven't capitalized on and that's the frustrating part for for a coach because you know the chances are there uh, now we have to bury them i think that if if we had maybe capitalized on four or five um more more goals this season that's the difference between converting those draws into 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 some wins and it, it's a big catalyst to to uh, uh to being up there and 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 obtaining obtaining more points so for us uh, it's important that we we do that and we do that consistently uh in this last spell when you see the numbers six thirteen goals scored in, in 16 games obviously that's not a lot of offense for your team do you have yeah. to work to make sure your players stay confident and know that they're close because yeah. obviously when you don't score that that can do a lot to a player's psyche does it not uh, of course, of course. Uh, so, so for us, it's that. It's how can we get the guys in different positions in in, in areas where maybe um, maybe we'll be able to to capitalize more. And uh, look, I, it, it's it's curious because I feel that the the, the last season um, we had maybe a lot less chances and clear chances and maybe a lot less of control in in games, but. Um, there was a next factor with certain guys that they would find a way of, of, of scoring goals out of nothing. And, you know, with so much control this year in many of the games and creating so many more chances where um, where we get players in so many good positions, it, it's frustrating. So we can't, we can't put our head down. We know that, you know, there's the addition of a guy like Selimani. There's uh, Ponce coming back into the into the mix after he's, he's recovering from an injury. And um, so sometimes, you know, the addition of a couple of pieces could, could help. And I think that we need to keep pushing. We need to keep working with the guys. We need to uh, work those situations and make sure that they grow in confidence. And I think that there's no, no better way than to score in matches. You could score everything in training, but if it doesn't translate to the matches, um, it becomes difficult. So for us, it's that. Keep protecting the goal the way we've done it. Keep uh, being solid and, and composed defensively. Um, and, and try to try to capitalize on, on the chances that we have. I think there's no other formula. Well, you look back at what happened last match, uh, Sunday, a tough one against York United, who you're, you were chasing for fifth at the time. They're now up into fourth with that win. 2-1, the loss. You, you fell behind 2 nothing in just minutes it was 
2-1 10 minutes in and there were no more goals in the match. But when you dig yeah. yourself an early hole, that's uncharacteristic for your team. But when that happens, I mean, how hard is it to chase the match for close to 80 minutes? No, of course, uh, especially when you're not scoring much. So you go down 2-0 at the 8th minute and it's a match that we felt we needed to win. And uh, the win on that game could have been very, very big for us because then you gain a momentum, you have another home game and things could change. You have a game in hand um, again uh, in, in relation to York. So, of course, you go down 2-0 and that mountain seems so much bigger to climb. I think we did well getting back uh, fast into the game with the 2-1 um, and created good opportunities again, very good opportunities. I think that had we scored the 2-2 in any uh, any minute, any minute in the game, um, we could have uh, put ourselves in a position to still still win the game. It's just, uh, you just can't at this level go down 2-0 that fast. You can't get into games where I think the two goals were very avoidable and it's uncharacteristic from our team, especially at home, not only to concede those goals, but the way they were conceded. So the guys know that we went through it. I think it's been a good week overall for us. Um, and sometimes these these are, are things that need to happen for, for the team to respond. So we know that this game against Pacific is a high alert game. We we can't afford to, to make those mistakes. The guys are aware of it. So, yeah, uh, we, we expect to get in the game very strong on, on Saturday. Now, you mentioned 36 points up for grabs in the 12 matches that remain. Have you done the math? To, have, do you have a target for how many points you think you're going to need to finish fifth? Or is that too far in advance? Yeah. You want to more worry about a, a more game-to-game process? No, right now I think that we do have, uh, you know, we, we do that exercise early in the season and then we see how the distribution of points goes and we do that math. Uh, but right now the way, the way we are and where we're at, we have to get, go game by game. We can't look too far ahead. Uh, we have to go game by game and just think about the three points every game and um, and address it like we're playing 12 finals right now. I think that's the best way to go to go about things. Well, it all starts Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. against Pacific FC. Phil, thanks for this as always, and best of luck this weekend. Thank you, Christian. Have a good one. That's Philip DeSantos, head coach and general manager of Valor FC, joining us here tonight. They're in the midst of a stretch, the four or five at home, and the one that's on the road is against Vancouver FC, which is right now in last. So a time to make hay for Valor FC. Got to start getting going there. Just three wins in 16 matches this year to go along with seven draws and six losses. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day.